0: I'm going to tell you how to be a great leader. Everybody wants to be a great leader. I hear it so many times how great a leader people want to be. And this morning, I'm going to tell you how to be just that in your life personally. In every sphere of your life, you can be a great leader by what God is going to speak this morning. So the answer is here, So if you're kind of fumbling around trying to work out how to be a better leader, how to be a great leader, the good news is the answer is here, but let's just start with a moment of prayer. Father God, we give you the honor and reverence that is deserved in this place, and we know that you are pouring out in abundance over our lives, as you have have done in the worship, and so you will do in the Word. You are pouring out an abundance of revelation and truth and peace and joy and fixing broken hearts and touching us where we need to be touched. So, God, we just thank you for that Holy Spirit. We invite you in now to speak to us, to stir us again, to to bring us back to our first love, to speak individually to us. And everybody said amen i would encourage i like to talk about stance and posture and i would encourage you individually where you are now where you are sat you invite the holy spirit in let's not sit and think we've got it all together and we know it all we've got to invite the holy spirit and say holy spirit have your way in me have your way in me speak to me help me reveal stuff to me And if you come with that posture, I'm telling you now, the windows of heaven are open. And God is pouring stuff into your life and into my life. So, do you hear the saying, you don't want to be a follower? Don't be a follower. Don't be a sheep. No one wants to be a follower. Everybody wants to be a leader. We all love being a leader because with a leader comes a title. And how many times can we be driven by that? Now, I just want to clarify. There are times when you shouldn't be a follower, okay? We have always educated our children about when to say no to things, when not to follow examples. So you should not just be a follower. But there is one area of life where we should be followers. And that is a follower of Jesus, you see, I hear so much of people wanting to be a leader and don't be a follower, you know, and kind of puffing themselves up and psyching themselves up to be this incredible leader. But I want to say to be, to be the best leader, it comes from being the best follower. If you want to win in every area of your life, and I'm not just talking about the things of church, as in, oh, I want to win in life group, or I want to win in, in the kids ministry, or I want to win, I'm on about, if you want to win in life, Because Jesus died so that we would have life in all its fullness. It would permeate every area of our life. Why can't we be successful in our workplace and in the church? Why can't we be successful in our families? Why can't we be successful in every area of life? But if you want to be the best leader in every area of life, then you need to be the best follower of Jesus. One thing, the best follower of Jesus will affect every single part of your life. You know, if I am going to London and I use... If I ever use an analogy about satnav, I realize this. I'm always going to London. I always say, if I, so today I'm going to go to Scotland. So if I'm going to go to Scotland and I leave my home address and I punch in the satnav, the postcode of where I'm going, I put in my destination. But I have to get on the road... And I have to follow the instructions to get to my destination. Now, I can still get to my destination and go all around on different roads. But to get to that destination and to be on the best route possible, I need to follow the instruction. If I post my destination into the SATNAV, I could get to my sisters in Scotland in about four hours if I follow the SATNAV. If I don't, I could get there, but I could end up stuck in dead ends. I could end up trapped in fields somewhere because I'm trusting and I'm following the direction of the sat nav to get me there. Me and my mum went to visit my sister, who the sister in Scotland once lived over on the Wirral, and it took a 40-minute journey, two hours It took us to find it, and then we ended up at a garage that was closed, and we didn't even know where we were, and we had to ring Caroline. She's like, how is it so hard for you to find where we live? I just live on the Wirral. But the fact is, we would taken our own little route, and I trusted my mum to direct me as well. So I had put it in the sat-nav, but for some mad moment, mum was co-pilot, and mum was directing me, As well as the sat-nav, so I'd listen to the sat-nav and then I'd listen to my mom. And in the end, the sat-nav goes, you have arrived. And I'm like, where on earth are we? But to be the best leader, we need to be the best follower. You know, there's so many incredible Bible characters we could talk about. And there's so many different roles in the Bible that we can look at. And I wonder where you feel you fit in all of that. Where do you feel you fit? Is there a Bible character that you feel like... I kind of fit there, or a role in the Bible where you feel that you fit, or do you kind of feel like I'm just not holy enough for any of that? Because you can feel that way. There's 12 men in the Bible that are kind of just grouped together. And because they're grouped together, and and we know one was a Abaddon, Um, But because they're all grouped together, we kind of think they're just these incredible people. The 12 disciples, they walked and they talked with Jesus. They must have been great theologians to walk so close with Jesus. Their understanding and their depth and respect in the community and pretty sure they were as near to perfect as you can get outside of Jesus were the 12 disciples. They'd obviously been to Bible school of that day. They must have known to have walked and talked with Jesus. Simon Peter was a fisherman. James was a fisherman. John was a fisherman. Andrew was a fisherman. Philip, they assume he was a fisherman. Jude, known as Thaddeus, fisherman. Bartholomew was of royal descent. Simon the Zealot was a fanatical nationalist. Matthew, known as Levi, was a tax collector. Thomas doesn't say what he did, but we do know him as Doubting Thomas. James was known as the lesser or the younger. So it wasn't just the younger. He was known as, some um, interpretations say, the lesser. And there was Judas. Now, I know you can go, okay, this was not the, the A-team because he had Judas in it. But actually, you know, when your heart goes wrong, when you are so motivated by yourself, life goes wrong, okay? But these 12 disciples were a right wrong bunch. Nobody would have picked them out and put them together as those that would walk closest with Jesus. Nobody would have picked out these disciples, these men, and gone. They will be the ones that will revolutionize things with Jesus. They will be the ones that Jesus will trust with the great commission of going to all the world. They actually, if you look at them, weren't that holy in what people would judge them with. They came in all shapes and sizes, from all kinds of backgrounds, from all different walks of life. Some not-so-great walks of life. Someone had royal blood in them, so you kind of think, well, he's probably the nearest to Jesus. And then there's the fishermen. But I'm just going to look at five of these disciples. And how did it happen that they became followers of Jesus? How did it happen? My sermon, if you want to give it a title today, is from Giving... To living, you see. Once we gave our hearts to Jesus, we gave our life to Jesus. That was a giving. We gave Him our life, and we punched our destination into the sat nav of eternity of heaven. But I want to talk about from the moment we gave our lives to Jesus, that giving moment to living. How do we live that? How do we walk it out? Do we just remain in that moment where, in the giving moment, we've given our lives to God, but we've got our destination in. But we're going to kind of just work the path out ourselves. Rather than actually saying, no, I don't want to just give my heart to Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a follower of his ways. This is where the first disciples, Jesus called the first disciples, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, He saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come to. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 to 28. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi, also Matthew, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. These five men, when Jesus called them, did not ask who he was. They knew Jesus. They were like, can't quite work. Does anybody know who he is? Who's this guy that's asking us to come. They already knew Jesus. They knew about him. They recognized Jesus. They knew this is Jesus. So it wasn't that in that moment they had to fathom out who he was and then make a decision. The fact was they already knew who he was. And in that giving moment when we give our lives to Jesus, we know Jesus. But it's the living moment. It's what we do with our life beyond that. You see, they chose to follow. All five of them, it says, left everything. They left their livelihood. They left their income source. They left their security. They left their business. They left their family. They left their identity. Four of them are fishermen. One's a tax collector, that's all they ever knew. In that day, they were fishermen. That's what they were. Their identity was. They were fishermen. Matthew's identity was a tax collector. And not many people liked him because he was a tax collector, as some of us may understand. But they didn't kind of think about it and, mm-hmm. You see, they knew him, but they chose to follow him. They chose to give their life to follow him, not just give my life to know him. There was that time of surrendering everything, to walk away from it. Now, please, do not all go and give your jobs up tomorrow. That's not what I'm saying, all right? Or go and scream at your family that you hate them because actually you've been waiting to do that quite a long time, all right? So, but I'm, so I'm not saying to do that, but what I'm saying is if you look at this, they in a moment left everything. Jesus walks along the seashore and he goes, hey, leave your nets and follow me. Imagine this, right? They get their nets and they bring the nets with them. And then he goes a bit further along and this one specifies that they left the father there, their own dad there, and the boat. So it actually specifies what they've left behind. So here we've got The first two in, they think, oh, we're going to bring the nets with us because if this falls through (laughs) following Jesus, we are going to need a backup plan. Grab the nets, grab the nets, grab the nets. The next one comes along and he goes, hey, come follow me. And they go, oh, grab the boat. Dad, you're going to have to come because it's quite heavy. Grab the boat. So the others have got the big nets. These two, they've got the boat and they're all trying to carry the boat together. And in all of that, They couldn't be close to Jesus, in physical proximity to Jesus. Whereas when they left everything behind, they could be in physical proximity to Jesus. And it's the same spiritually. When we try and carry things along, just in case this falls through, because I can't completely trust that God's got this. We cannot be spiritually close with him like we could be if we went, if none go with me. I'm still going to follow. If it all falls apart in my eyes, I know it hasn't because I know I'm following you and I'm in close proximity with you. If Matthew had decided to tidy away his table first, his, his booth, I was like, just hang on a minute, Jesus, because I've just got to tidy everything up so that I can follow. Yeah. Well, what happens? Because Jesus seems to be able to just walk past people and go, Fatma, follow me. There's Mary, follow me. Jeff, follow me. And everybody gets up and follows. So he's just walking along, inviting people to follow him. And then Barry goes, just one second, because I just need to tidy this up. (laughs) That (laughs) That (laughs) That wasn't like, just like, but I'm going to say something negative it's better about my husband, isn't it, than anyone else. But imagine that. But Jesus is walking, he's walking, he's saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. And then you get someone that goes, well, just hang on a minute, I've just got to tidy up life. you don't have to be ready to follow Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you to tidy your mess up so that you can follow him, so that you can serve him, so that you can be in ministry for him. He doesn't want that because the moment you gave your heart to him, he tidied you up. And your world may not look like you're tidy, but that's okay. Because the altar of the cross sorted out your mess and tidied you up. And what's happening is things are just having to catch on to the fact that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And sometimes we've got to remember that. So Matthew didn't go, I'm just going to tidy my table up first and get it ready. So I don't want to leave a mess behind for anyone else. He was like, crack on, I'm going to follow Jesus. Jesus has asked me to follow him. Everybody hates me anyway because I'm a tax collector. So I'll leave the mess behind for them and they can sort all that out. Because actually, I've got a new life. Because Jesus has called me. To follow somebody means to be close with somebody. It means to observe their ways. Athletes will have somebody that and um, I remember Barry talking about Andy Murray once, and I was like, Oh yeah, that's because I don't do tennis. Don't yeah, and I'm not an athlete, <laughs> that's a shock to anybody. But I know athletes, so I can feel like I can talk with confidence. But They will all have a trainer. They'll all have somebody that they go to for advice who can say to them about their nourishment. I know one person was telling me that their their coach spoke to them about their bedtime, what time they went to bed and the amount of sleep they were getting at night, the, the way that they should be running and the way they should be holding themselves. That's what it is to follow somebody. So if we're wanting to be the best leader in every sphere of life and we just want to boss it at life, we need to be a follower of Jesus. Because if we choose to follow him and move from giving to living, then what happens is he is all the wisdom we need. He's all the understanding we need. He's all the trust we need. He's all the joy we need. He's all the peace we need. But it is a decision to live for him and to live out that life to observe him, to listen to him, to get, we've talked over the last couple of weeks or last three weeks about the word of God. You know, it says to abide in his word, to live in his word, to feast on his word. If I had an orange in front of you now and I squoze it, orange juice would come out. My question to me, myself, and I would say, ask yourself this, squozing, What would come out? In a really tight situation where everything seems to be going about, wrong around me, is there a peace when I'm squozing? Is there still a joy in the storm? Is there a love for people who maybe don't love me? That doesn't mean that you've put yourself out in a vulnerable position and allow people to mistreat you and walk all over you, but we have to love our enemies. And we get to know all this by following Jesus, being a follower and being a disciple. So all the times maybe people may have thought, oh, I could never have been a disciple. walking oh, that close with Jesus. You can because it's choosing just to follow his ways. It's choosing to get to know him. It's choosing I'm going to live my life and make decisions the way God has intended it to be the way the Bible, the instruction for life has set it out. If I'm not sure what to do with a relationship, the Bible is going to tell me what to do. If I'm not sure what to do with my finance, the Bible is going to tell me what to do. And I'm going to follow that rather than following anybody else's advice, because this is where I follow. I follow Jesus. You know, there are lots of people, crowds and crowds and crowds, that went to follow Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogue, and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed, or epileptic, or paralyzed. He healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan, the crowds followed him. They heard what he was doing And they followed. They took their loved ones to be healed. They went themselves for healing. They went just to hear what he had to say. But when we pick it up in chapter 5, it says this. One day as he, Jesus, saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. So he moved himself from the crowds. He went up the mountain and he sat down. His disciples gathered around him. And he began to teach. They stepped out from the crowd. The moment Jesus said, follow me, follow me, forget tidying up. Follow me, they stepped away from the crowd because they just said, I just want to follow Jesus. I want to be so close to him. I want to walk in his his shadow. I want to walk in his shadow. I want to feel his breath. I want to hear the teachings. I want to be so up close. But the thing was, in the crowd, there was the distractions, there was babies crying, there was all this noise going on. People, it was all a bit, you know, everyone's rustling into each other and knocking into each other and arguing they have been arguing going on because everybody wants to get a bit nearer the front or you've trod on my toe and all of this. And the disciples were like, oh, I am done with that. I'm choosing to follow Jesus as closely as I possibly can. And I'm going to leave my livelihood behind. And dad, I'm really sorry. I love you. Because it doesn't say there's been an argument here between the fathers and the son. The father and the sons. There's not been an argument She's like, Dad, i just got to go. The dad is like, go on, sons. I'm paraphrasing. He doesn't say he said that. Go on, sons. There was a release in them to go and leave everything behind. The disciples laying down the nets and following with them was a way of, I'm laying down my life. I'm surrendering my life, my agendas, My ways, my ways I think my business should work. My ways I think my relationship should work. And I'm going to trust you by following you, Jesus, that you're all going to make that clear how that's all going to work out. I'm just going to follow you. So what does it mean to be a disciple? It means from from moving from giving to living. It means believing and obeying. believing and, because you can go like, oh yeah, I can believe, and obeying. Because sometimes, this is a Bible in here somewhere, because sometimes the book can be a bit tough. The truth of what we need to do in our relationships and in other things in life, it can be a bit, it can be a bit of a hard pill to swallow, but I have committed to obey your ways, God. I am committed to obey your ways. I believe in you, but I am not just going to stay in believing in you. I am choosing to obey your ways and to follow you. There's a couple of verses that are a little bit controversial, and it's easy to skip over these verses in case anybody gets offended by them, but I'm going to read them because I want you to understand what these mean. In my Bible, it says the cost of being a disciple, Luke chapter 14, verse 25 and 26. Funnily enough, a large crowd was following Jesus. That's a shock. He turned around and said to them, okay, so imagine we're in a large crowd and Jesus turns around and he's like, there's always crowds, there's always crowds. But I just wonder, did Jesus think, which ones of these are truly followers? Which ones believe in me? Which ones know me? Which ones, but which ones truly want to live the life the way they should be living it. And he says this, he said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Jesus. Doesn't it say in your word to love your enemy? Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life, otherwise you cannot be my disciple. Now the word hate, the word that it used historically, fully translated means to love everything else less than. So he's not saying to go and hate everybody. What he's saying, I need, Biggie, I need you to love Barry less than me. Vicky, I need you to love your mum less than me. And that was a tough one saying Barry. That was a tough one saying mum. And then Jesus says, Vicky, I need you to love Sophie, Adam, Joshua, and Eleanor and Charlotte less than me. Oh. But one thing I know is that when I stood at 22, I can't even remember how old I was, 22, 23, at the front of that church, growing up knowing Jesus, I'd given my life to Jesus, I'd been baptized, so it wasn't that I wasn't saved. But when I stood at the front of that church, there's a very old hymn and it says, Oh Jesus, I have promised to serve you to the end. And that came into my mind when I stood at the front of the church that day, and I promised the only thing I ever wanted in my life and you might think, well, wow, like, she didn't want to be like a solicitor or anything. The only thing I ever wanted was to be a mum and a wife. And everything within me that day still wanted to be a mum and a wife. And I was stepping away from a world that, and a route I'd gone down that wasn't good. So I was leaving friends behind, I was leaving relationships behind, and I stood there and I said, Jesus, I promise to serve you to the end. And if that means I've got to do it single, I'll do it single. That was the biggest sacrifice for me. But one thing I have learned with my life, if I honor him, he will honor me. There have been other desires throughout my life that I haven't got but he surpassed them with something else because if I honor him, he'll honor me. So when he's saying this, he's saying, what I want is that you love these things less. I actually want you to love yourself less. That might be a tricky one for some people. I want you to love yourself less than me. I want you to know that I'm greater than you are because if you can't do that, How are you going to obey what I say? If you can't do that, how are you going to follow my ways? And and if I follow his ways and his words, my life flourishes. In every sphere of my life, I am a leader. In every sphere of my life, I am somebody that can sow into other people. In every sphere of my life, I know what path I need to be taking because I'm following him. But being a disciple is moving from giving to living, Being a disciple isn't about giving your heart to Jesus. Being a disciple is following him and following his ways and his path. To love everything else less than the Lord, it's a unique love. The love I have for the Lord is unique. I love Barry with everything within me, I love my children with everything within me. But the love I have for the Lord is very different. It's very different. And I have to keep that love that I have for the Lord above the love I have for other people. Because when I do that, I can hear Him properly. I can follow His path. Number two, your background does not qualify you or disqualify you. All the disciples tell you that. The one that had. Royal blood did not mean he was better than anybody else. The fishermen weren't lower than anybody else. The tax collector wasn't worse than anybody else. Your background does not qualify you or disqualify you. So if you think it does, it doesn't. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor's kid. It doesn't matter whether you're a prisoner's kid. It does not qualify you or disqualify you to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus. Your mistakes do not disqualify you. And your knowledge does not qualify you. It's your hunger and thirst to live a godly life and to live a life aligned with God in his ways. It's your hunger and thirst to do that that qualifies you to be a disciple. What is attached to you is the last point. What is it that you're bringing with you? Maybe you're like, well, I'm only at the point where I've given my heart. This is a whole new thing moving from giving to living, Vicky. You kind of messed with my head a little bit. There might be other people in here and you're like, well, yeah, I've been saved years. But we, it can apply to all of us. What are we bringing with us? What are the character traits that aren't godly? What is the things that God's forgiven us for but we're still carrying them with us because we can't forgive ourselves? What is it, the thing that God's asked us to step out in or leave behind? And we're like, well, I can't actually do that. So I'm just going to keep a little bit behind. It's like when you have a bit of tissue stuck to your shoe. Like, and you're still walking around, and somebody goes to you, mate, you've got tissue on mate, And suddenly turned into Barry. <laughs> hey, love, you've got tissue on your shoe. What is it that you've still got a little bit of something attached to you? And for some reason, like I talked about a few weeks ago, I couldn't let it go because it had become who I was. It was ingrained in me. But they left behind everything they were attached to and they followed him. They weren't found in the numbers, in the masses, hiding in the crowd, turning up whenever because there were hundreds of people there. So Jesus wouldn't know whether they were there at every meeting or not, would they? The disciples didn't live like that. The disciples are like, I am going to be so close. So when all the crowds are out there and they're having a bit of a squabble, and then you've got somebody going, will you shut up because I'm trying to listen to Jesus? The disciples are like, I can hear him perfectly. Because I chose to leave it all behind and follow Jesus. They were found up close and personal. And the questions I would leave with you today are this. Have you remained in a place of giving of your heart, but never moved into living? Into living as a follower of Christ, living in his ways, living by what the word of God says. You know, there are so many things that I would say to you, get advice from the right people. Get advice from the right people who can give you godly advice about the way you live in your life if you're not sure about it yourself. Get somebody who can guide you through the Bible and say, hey, listen, this, God wants to deal with this. Because you're not aware of this, but there's a better way to live. What makes you a disciple is your hunger, your thirst, your desire, and your heart to follow Jesus' ways. To be like Jesus, to live like he did, to be able to go, doesn't matter about my rights. So I'm going to leave my rights behind, and I'm going to follow Jesus. That doesn't mean, you know, if something is inherently being done wrong, it doesn't mean you shouldn't flag it up and you should let people do whatever they want. But it's about following him, to be like Jesus, to live like he did. What do you need to leave behind? What do you need to step out into? Thank him for your salvation. Thank him for your destination, but choose to live in between as a follower of Christ. Are you following the ways of something else, of other people's guidance, of other people's opinions, and because of that, you can't fully follow Jesus? Well, actually, the disciples, when he called them, they heard the call and they followed. And there is a call going out to each of us today, no matter who we are, how long we've been saved, what positions we have in our different spheres of life. There is a call going out. And God is saying today, how are you living? Are you living following me? Or are you living in your ways? But it's okay because you've given me your heart, and you're saved, your destination's pumped in, you're going to heaven. But what about everything in between? Because it matters. And that's the call that's going out today. And if You don't know what to read next in the Bible. Can I suggest you read the life of Jesus? You read the life of Jesus. How did he handle people? How did he speak to people? How did he interact with God the Father? How did he do it and follow his ways? Because we've been called to be disciples, but we choose whether we get to be one. Amen.